Well, good morning. Uh, with Pastor Brett, I welcome you to worship uh, this morning at Rivermont. And on behalf of Brett and myself, I also long to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. When I ask you to please open your Bible or one of the few Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 3, where we'll explore one of the great doxologies of the Bible that we find in verses 20 and 21. Now, as you turn to Ephesians 3, Pastor David, along with the session of our church, asked if I could share with you this morning some takeaway from my sabbatical that I enjoyed this past summer. After 20 years of ministry, 14 years of which uh, have been at this church, God blessed me through our session with this gift of time with the Lord uh, to renew my strength and my passion for Christ and His kingdom. I am the first Rivermont pastor to experience this regularly scheduled sabbatical for each of us after seven years of ministry. It was very biblical, very effective. There was travel with family to Israel. There was rest. There was focused Bible study and prayer. I came to love this doxology, this praise of Ephesians 3. And I pray that you will see much of Christ and learn something of my own heart. For the sake of context, we'll begin reading in verse 14. This is Paul's prayer for spiritual strength, ending in this marvelous doxology. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power, through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Please join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, this is Your Word. We ask for Your help to understand Your Word as a lamp to our feet, as a light for our path. Please speak to us. Bring Your Word to life in our hearts. Strengthen us in our inner being to trust and to yield to You. Give us desires and power to bring glory to Your name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, countless times this year, 2018, and countless times in the new year, 2019, I am going to ask many of you, and many of you are going to ask me the same question. This most common question is good, it's right. How may I pray for you? Now, this question and its answer happens in my home and in our car on the way to school. 
It happens in our staff meetings. It will happen in small groups where sometimes we'll pull out pen and paper that we keep in our Bibles. It happens over lunch. It will happen in an email exchange or on the phone. It will happen happen numerous times by text message. We ask and answer the question of each other, how may I pray for you? How may we pray for one another? And as we ask and answer that question, we pray for many things, do we not? We pray for our relationships to be whole, for relationships to be mended. We pray for healing for things like broken bones and broken hearts, as well as recovery from sickness and perhaps sadness. We pray for protection for our sons, our daughters, for each other, that they and we will continue to grow in the love of Christ. We pray that God will bless our ministries, that many would come to saving faith and mature in Christ, that God will be glorified in our homes and in our church. We pray for astute business decisions, for clarity in schoolwork, for godly impact in the workplace. We pray that God, by His Word and Spirit, will make us wise. That He will give us favor. That He would promote unity among us. We pray for God's blessings to our families and for the church. We will pray for many things and those things are good. And yes, sometimes we pray for things that aren't so important. Like, may the Carolina Tar Heels rise to the top of the Atlantic Coast Conference and win the NCAA basketball tournament this new year. And, of course, some of you are praying just the opposite. (laughs) Now, we pray, and pray we should, for God has called us to cast our anxieties upon Him because He cares for us. We pray and pray we should, for we know that much of what we ask for is beyond our ability To secure. We pray and pray we should, for we need a miracle. Do we not? We pray and pray we should, for we need what only God can do. Pastorally. God ministered to me during my sabbatical and three months of study, of memorization, of prayer, through the miraculous. By giving me a peace, a trust in Jesus Christ who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we asked or think according to His power at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Jesus, our God and Savior, He is able. He is to be trusted all through His power and for His glory. Now, for the miraculous to be enjoyed among us, we start with this simple truth that He is able, which means that He is powerful. Thankfully, as you commit yourself to Christ and His Word, you may recall that this doxology is a response to praise after Paul had written the first three chapters of Ephesians. Chapters that are full of God's redemptive grace, power, design for you and for me. And forthrightly, as your brother, as your friend, as one of your pastors, I pray for the effective fulfillment and for the joyful experience of God's redemptive plan in Christ for Rivermont for each of you and for those to whom we seek to minister. Now, when Paul begins this prayer of Ephesians three, now this is back in 
verse 14 that we just read. He prays for this reason. His heart is before God's throne and it's overflowing with the glorious blessings that he knows that we enjoy by God's grace and by God's grace only. It's a miracle. It's miraculous, is it not? In Ephesians 1, we experience the miracle of God's eternal plan of redemption for being set free of sin and being made alive in Christ. How so? Well, it's through the blood of Jesus Christ shed upon the cross that God has redeemed to Himself a people from every tribe and tongue and nation. This truth overwhelms us with praise. And to make it personal, God's saving plan to adopt you and to adopt me into His family as His sons and daughters and to justify us from before the foundation of the world in Jesus Christ, it overwhelms us with thanksgiving. Ephesians 1 is rich with God's blessings for you and for me. And then in Ephesians 2, we enjoy the miracle of this glorious plan as He makes us citizens in His kingdom where Christ reigns. I'm praying for all this. But we enjoy this, do we not? He adopts us into His family that we become brothers and sisters. He builds for Himself a holy temple in which the Spirit of the living God dwells. God Himself brings us to Himself to experience the free grace of Jesus Christ together in His kingdom as one body, as one family, the temple of the living God, and as His people. Listen to this. We bear witness to His love and truth in the world. We humble ourselves before our great God knowing that He is big and dear family. This is miraculous. But there's more. In Ephesians chapter 3, we embrace this prayer. The miracle working power of God is unleashed on our behalf. He does what we can never do for ourselves. For by the Spirit, He strengthens our inner being. For Christ to dwell in our hearts. What a miracle. Why? Why? Well, we were once dead in our trespasses and sin. We were, and we are sometimes, rebels. We are sinful. We are marked by guilt and shame, and yet Christ Christ dwells in our hearts. That's a miracle. Don't ever think that it is ordinary for Christ to dwell in the core of our being. Christ in you. Paul tells us in Colossians, the hope of glory. This is a miracle of the very one who is able. And then look at this for us to grasp the immeasurable love of Christ, the massiveness of Jesus' love for us. Oh, that takes a miracle too, does it not? You know, your pastors, and this is freeing for me, but your pastors, your family, your friends, we may all preach and affirm the love of Christ daily. Yet, you need God's might To experience the wonders of His love in the depths of your heart. That's not my job. That's the Spirit's work in your hearts. This is true. Why? None of us will ever understand and experience His love naturally. It bounces off. You can't take it in. For the love of Christ is immeasurable. The love of Christ is beyond human understanding. It exceeds the bounds of breadth and length. 
length and height and death. It means that His love is immense, eternal, bottomless, and infinite. It takes a miracle for us to understand and also to enjoy the love that Jesus has us, has for us for all eternity. And then imagine this. Oh, these things that are leading up to this great doxology, they're really incredible. That we might be filled with God. That we might contain the uncontainable. To be containers of the living God. What a miracle and a privilege for each believer. You know, as I listen to your prayer request, and I know that I'm praying for you, isn't it wonderful that it really is filled with this desire? That He desires to pour His life into us and to fill us to the full as Christ dwells in us. In the flesh, this is impossible. But by the Spirit, it's a miracle. To be shaped by His presence within us, that we find ourselves marked by this new identity. That we are no longer defined by our past. That we are no longer imprisoned by what we once were. Oh, the wonder that there is a newness because we are being filled with the fullness of Christ. It's really the language of maturity. It's growing up and becoming all that God intended for us to become and experience. We are to be filled with His nature, His character, conformed to the image of our Savior. We are to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit. This love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We are to be filled with Jesus, dear family, in His compassion, His care, His holiness, His desire to please His Father. And you might say, Ron! All this is beyond the realm of possibility. And I would say, indeed it is. Unless God, the one who is able, will do this by his own power and might. God is able. He alone has the power to change hearts from within. But now, this brings us to the second point this morning. That the very one who is able, he's powerful. He is also very good. There's one phrase in the second half of verse 20 that really captures my attention. The words are challenging, exciting, helpful. Again, for me, as I learn to entrust my wife and my son and the people of this congregation in the hands of Almighty God, this is good. Here's the context. Paul is singing this doxology. He knows what God is doing for us. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work. Now, how would you finish that sentence? According to the power at work, with when a word God hung the stars and spoke the universe into being. According to the power at work, when with an outstretched arm he caused the rains to fall and the floods to rise in the days of Noah. Well, according to the power at work, when he divided the sea of his people, or divided the sea for his people to cross on dry land and then flooded the Egyptian masters, redeeming his people. 
Perhaps I would think, well, according to the power of work, when he so anoints each pastor that they meet your every need, there's the power of God and praise God, that's not going to happen. Do you see how that would wear any of us out to bear that burden? But it's somewhat counterintuitive, yet it's a miracle. Look at what Paul says. He is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. He is worthy of our trust because He's able, He is good. Do you see it? The power that we need for the miraculous each day is already a power within you and within me. If you are a child of God, Right now, in fact, that power rests upon you. This doxology, this praise points us to the God we trust because God's power is already at work. Convicting questions, though. Do we tend to overlook the power already at work within us as we wrestle with sin? Do we think that Christ's power in us is small? Is it meager, inadequate for the challenges of daily surrender to Him? Another question. Do we ponder, if we're talking about power, I just want a little bit more. I need more. It doesn't feel like power. And so we, or do we, overlook it. But listen to Paul in Ephesians chapter 1. How he understands God's power. He doesn't belittle it or minimize it at all. He's telling the church that he has been praying for them. And he tells the church what he's been praying. This is what he's praying. Listen. That the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. The power at God within us that we tend to overlook, that we think so very little of at work in our lives, is resurrection power, dear brothers and sisters. It is the power that broke the hold of death when Christ died upon the cross for our sins. It is the power that for our salvation raised from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, for the miracle of God's power in our lives. That will strengthen us through the Spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. You know, we live in a day, we live in an age where God is small, insignificant in the minds of many people. Yet for us, we love the Lord knowing that our Heavenly Father welcomes us into His presence through Jesus Christ, His Son. And we, whether we know it or not, are totally dependent upon Him, His love, and His power. To be honest, sometimes we want to trust Him to give us power so that we can control our situation To make our lives safe and secure. Sometimes in this process we want what is best for family or perhaps what is best for the church. 
And yet, sometimes when we believe that, we miss that as Pastor Brett shared. He knows better than we know what is best. And yet, one of the maturing phases of the Christian life is that realization that I can't control every aspect of my life. Certainly not yours. I have to walk by faith. I need to trust and depend upon Him. This trust means that the Christian life can be lived though with confidence and joy. By faith, we yield to the One who loves us. The very One who died upon the cross for us. He will direct our destiny, our circumstances, our situations. That's humble trust, which is so freeing. It's so freeing. For His power and glory are being displayed in the church throughout all generations. He is worthy of our trust. And so we proclaim, coming to our third point, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. God's glory displayed in Jesus Christ, displayed in the church. God's glory is displayed in His one people, redeemed by the blood of His Son. This is an astonishing thing. This is a miracle rooted in Christ. The heavens declare the glory of God. And so does the church. Now that's a humbling thought. For you and for me, is it not? That God's glory is displayed in you and in me. And yet, as we trust and rest in Jesus Christ for our salvation, as we gather into the church to worship Him, to grow in discipleship together, to witness collectively to His goodness in ministry and in mission, God is glorified. He is lifted up. To God be the glory in His church and in Christ Jesus as sinners are brought out of deserved condemnation, forgiven of their sins, and brought into the adoption of His sons and daughters. Changed by God's Spirit. Made to be those who delight in God. To God be the glory when people with different backgrounds and different cultures are brought together around Jesus Christ. And we are taught to love one another because we love the Gospel. We love our Savior. We want to be together praising Him, glorifying Him. So dear family, I ask, how may I pray for you? How may we pray for one another? And three requests here. Would you please join me in praying for the miraculous? Because knowing the love of Christ, being about His glory, it does not always come naturally. At times, it's difficult because we bear the burden of difficult relationships. Sometimes we struggle with patterns of sin and we need to overcome, but we seem to be hesitant to experience all that God has for us. Sometimes we also endure in the providence of God difficult circumstances, perhaps a physical or emotional handicap, perhaps years of 
relational turmoil, perhaps years of infertility, perhaps years of financial strain. And yet we learn over these years of struggle to receive and to rest in the sovereign wisdom, the almighty power, the eternal love of God, which is unconditional. And yet would you... Dear family, also, secondly, join me in praying for the miraculous because God has called us to live in community. You know, that means that we live among other sinners, even in the church. And in order for you to love one another, you will need to be established and anchored in the love of God because even as our Savior loves us when we sin, we need to love one another when we let one another down. And yet we pray for the miraculous because no human being has the power to do that in and of himself or in and of herself. Only the power of God can root us and ground us in the love of God so that we can love like He has loved us. And thirdly, would you please join me in praying for the miraculous Because, dear brothers and sisters, we need to experience the depths of God's love for our love for one another. Jesus says, for that love will be a witness to the world. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, God's glory displayed. The world has shown his glory. My friends, this is quite extraordinary. Is it not a miracle? So again, I ask, but this is what I've learned. How may I pray for you? How may we pray for one another? Here it is. With trust and in confidence in the one who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. According to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church, and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we long to know Christ in our hearts, that our faith may overflow in every aspect of life. May Your Spirit Strengthen your covenant family with your power in our inmost being so that Christ would dwell in our hearts by faith. May we be made a suitable habitation for the Lord of glory and entrusting only in you. May the love of Christ overflow from our hearts throughout our homes and into the world far beyond. To you be all the glory for Christ's sake. Amen.